0: This past week, as I was um, trying to figure out how I was going to come about the psalm that we're going to talk about, and we are going to do this psalm for the next couple weeks because there's just so much in it. I learned a lot about sheep. <laughs> have you have you done any studies on sheep? It, sheep are sheep are kind of interesting in in a lot of ways. But the, I want to start this morning by sharing with you a. Um, how sheep are cast. Um, It says, One of the dangers facing a sheep is that it becomes cast. That's C-A-S-T. And one of the challenges facing a shepherd is to make sure that his sheep do not become cast. A cast sheep is one who turns over on its back and because it lacks agility and it has this thick woolly coat it is unable to get back up again on its own. And so if if it's not helped to get back up, then it's going to die in that position. Did anybody know that? See, yeah, I, I did not know that. that. That's an interesting thing. This condition is not uncommon among, especially among pregnant sheep, unless. The shepherd keeps diligent watch over his flock. It says a cast sheep will die or fall victim to predators. Uh, The shepherd must restore uh, such a sheep. So he must help the cast sheep to get back on its feet again and regain its equilibrium. So that's, that. and I thought that was pretty interesting. Author Philip Keller writes this. He says a cast sheep, uh, a cast down sheep is a very, pathetic sight i imagine it is lying on its back its feet up in the air it's it flays every which way struggling to try to get up without success it will bleat out for help in a frightened situation and and just you know very frustrated and if the shepherd does not arrive on the scene within a reasonably short time the sheep will die So I thought that was pretty interesting. This is why it is so essential for a shepherd to look over his flock every day, making sure that they are up on their feet. If even one is missing, the first thought to flash to the shepherd's mind is one of my sheep must be cast down somewhere. Hmm. So I got to go, I got to go, I got to go in search of that one lost sheep. And set it back on its feet again. But it's not only the cast down sheep that need restoring, you know, but also the constantly wandering sheep. You know, shepherd must, they must have had a hard job, I'm telling you, because sheep tend to wander. Haddison um, Robinson said this. He tells that when a shepherd took his sheep out to graze, one of the sheep, always would become interested in a piece of grass somewhere else. And so they would run off to that piece of grass. And a lot of times what would happen is others would follow. And so the shepherd that night would would count his fold, and he would get there 96, 97, 98, 99. Okay, where's Jimmy? Where's, where's... And so, and he would discover one missing. So he would have to leave his flock in the care of a trusted friend and he would move out in the darkness and he would walk and he would call out and he would listen for the cry of the sheep. Finally, out in the darkness, he hears the bleeding of the lost one and he'll go and he'll put it on his shoulders and he'll bring it back to the fold. Isn't that such a picture of us? Such a great picture. He goes on to say, I've seen many a child of God needing restoration. There have been many a time when I have needed restoration myself. (laughs) Wow. Times when I have wandered in sin and the shepherd came and he fetched me. And and, and some of you know what I'm talking about this morning because you too are wanderers. And that's, that's what it's all about. So I want to begin this morning by thanking the Lord for his watch care over us. And we need to do that more often, amen? No one, I think, would deny that Psalm 23 is probably the most familiar, if if not the most familiar with all the Bible, not just in the book of Psalms or in the Old Testament, maybe in the whole Bible As one of the most popular or familiar psalms. It has endeared itself to people in in every circumstance of life. Um, Like the the soldier in battle fearing injury or possibly death. You know the old saying, you don't find atheists in a foxhole. And that is so true. What about the grieving widow standing before a fresh grave, wondering how is she going to go on with life? We have that right here, guys. We have that right here. It's very real. The hurts, the pain, it is very real. What about the guilty wanderer seeking forgiveness and direction? The lonely stranger longing for love and companionship. What about the the suffering saint that's strapped to a bed of pain? Maybe strapped to a bed of pain for their whole life. What about the orphan that is forgotten? And Tony shared his message last night about him being an orphan. And I wanted to so bad, but I didn't want to embarrass him, but I wanted to yell, Tony, we love you! What about the depressed or maybe someone who's been looking for a job for, for months and months and months? Or what about that prison inmate or the ones that are being persecuted or the prodigal or those who have suffered in a divorce? You know, all these things are are real. They're, they're, they're things that we face on a daily basis. We've all felt the stinging toil and frustration of the pain of uncertainty. And that's why I entitled my sermon this morning, How Certain Are You? Not Very Sometimes. And so to each one, and and maybe even a thousand more, Psalm 23, I believe, is is a psalm that brings comfort and peace. You know, when the chips are down, when, when our hearts are the heaviest, it is to this magnificent psalm of the of the shepherd that oftentimes we go to, we cling to. And what's really interesting about this is that the preschooler knows it by heart, and yet it is a silent partner of those who are retired. Um, it is always fitting at a funeral, and I think I've probably done three or four hundred funerals in my, in my ministry, and every single one I have used Psalm 23 to comfort the people's hearts. From the cradle to the grave, Psalm 23 provides timeless comfort and endless assurance for those who lack the secure feeling of God's continual presence. And God is is always there. And Psalm 23 talks about that. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to just look at that. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And so Psalm 23, and if you want to hold that We're going to be looking at that uh, throughout the morning here. It first says a Psalm of David. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. King James says, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. of the Lord forever. Wow. What a, what a great psalm. Few inner battles are more fierce than the daily battle of being uncertain about things. Isn't that just so frustrating to be uncertain? No doubt you too have encountered one or more of its many faces as you've struggled with maybe a career choice, direction in your life, you know, trying to find the purpose in the pain that you're experiencing, job security, financial pressures, physical handicaps, you know, relational snags, and, and it could be a dozen other confusing, puzzling things that, that aren't quick or easy to solve. And it becomes so frustrating to us. Because of the popularity of this song and the numerous truths that are hidden in it, I want to spend more time on this one than the other ones that i've that I've talked about so far, and I want to consider the I really want you to think about this, and if you have the opportunity to learn more about it, I want you to consider the analogy of a sheep to the children of god the the theme or or the point of the of this constant provision by a shepherd lord, and I want you to take the time to go, we're going to go verse by verse and get as much of the deep treasure from this passage that we can find so that you don't have to be uncertain about anything, but be certain that God is there in uncertain times and he's there to lift you up and to build you up and to help you to understand that you don't have to be uncertain about anything. One cannot read Psalm 23 without realizing that it, it is written from the viewpoint of a sheep. <laughs> now, if sheep could talk, I don't know. But we are the sheep, guys. You know, it is as though a sheep were considering its life among the flock with its shepherd and, and recording its feelings and observations. And so consider some of the analogies between helpless sheep and God's frail children. I'm going to make some analogies. I'm going to make some comparisons there to us and sheep. Okay? It's pretty interesting. First of all, sheep lack direction. How many of you here in this room feel like you have a real big lack of, or a sense of direction? Okay. There are some of you that really, really, really lack a sense of direction. Thank the Lord for the creation of um, the, the phone with the, the GPS on it. <laughs> I, remember, I remember a few years, this was wasn't that long ago, maybe 20 years ago, I used MapQuest. And we were supposed to go to the, the um, zoo in Washington, D.C., and I ended up at a dead end, somewhere in the middle of Washington, D.C., and I swear to you, I was the only, we were the only white people within a matter of five miles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, so you know. <laughs> well, I want to tell you something, that was the last time I used MapQuest, never used that before, that was really before GPS came on our phones, you know, so... But GPS is pretty good now. I mean, it'll, it'll get you right to where you're going within um, a few feet. But unlike cats and dogs, sheep can get lost extremely easy. Even in familiar environments of their own territory, they can get lost. And so it is with believers. We cannot guide ourselves. We must rely completely on the word of the Lord and the voice of the, of the shepherd savior. I like in the book of John, Chapter 10, he talks about, he talks about the, the sheep and the shepherd. And he says, he says in that verses 1 through 18, but I'm not going to read all that. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. Then he goes on down a little further. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And, and not only that, but they listen to my voice. So I call them by name. And God is calling you by name. He knows you, He knows your voice, He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than your spouse knows about you, and He probably knows more about you than what you know about you. I like that. I know my I know my sheep and my sheep know me, and and they hear my voice and and they know my voice. Second of all. Sheep are virtually defenseless. Most animals have a rather effective means of defense, whether it's sharp claws, sharp teeth, speed. Count me out on that one. Now, Dylan, you know, I watched Dylan run, man. That kid's fast. I'm telling you what, that he's fast. And, and the thing is, is when he was running up and down these halls and outside there, I looked at Chet and I go, I wish I had that energy. <laughs> But, but you know, some, some animals have the speed, they have the ability to hide, they have the keenness of smell, the sight, the hearing, great strength, ferocity, man, they're just, they're ferocious. But sheep are awkward, that sounds like me, they're weak, <laughs> maybe ignorant, okay, they, they have spindly legs and tiny hooves, and they are pitifully slow, even devoid of an angry growl. You know, boy, they're they're defenseless. The the only sure protection for the sheep is what? That's right. It's the ever-watchful eye of the shepherd. Sound familiar? And so it is with believers who, you know, God tells us, he says, who who admonished to be strong we we are we are admonished to be strong, but we are admonished to be strong in the lord he says he says in ephesians six ten finally brothers be strong in the Lord and in in his mighty power not not the power of that we find in ourselves it's to be strong in him in the mighty power of the Lord. The third thing that I want to point out here about sheep is that sheep are easily frightened. How many of you scare pretty easy? Okay, so now I know who to get. My wife, my wife scared me one time, you know, and I'm not, I'm not recommending. I, I, we, I like to watch scary movies, but Sarah won't watch scary movies with me because she says they're pointless, and which she's probably right, pretty much. But we watched the old Psycho one one time. You ever seen the old, not the new, the newer ones, but the old one? So. So I get in the shower to take a shower. <laughs> and and my wife comes in, sneaks into the bathroom, and she puts her hand into the shower and grabs me. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, I just about lost it right then and there. And you know, I when I when I lose it, I kinda like scream like a girl. And and, and the only thing that I knew what to do was I I just went boom like that. And man, I got her right in right, right there. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to. I mean, it was her fault. Don't, don't, don't do that. It was her fault. But how many of you, there's some of you here that do frighten pretty easy, don't you? And, and, and so, you know, sheep are easily frightened, being ignorant, unimpressive in stature, and, and very much aware of their weaknesses. Sheep find comfort only in their shepherd's presence and assuring song in the night. As, as, as the, as the shepherd sings to them. You know, I like what Psalm 27 verse 1 also refers to this, this type of shepherd-Lord relationship which we have with God. Let me read that for you. It's just a couple pages over if you want to turn there. It's, it's, it's Psalm 27 verse 1 there says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Our strength, everything about us should be dependent upon the Lord. The fourth thing that we want to look at here is that sheep are by nature unclean. They're unclean. Other animals lick, scrape, and roll in the grass to cleanse themselves. Now, if you have a little dog, they, they roll in the grass over dead stuff, not to cleanse themselves. And then you have to wash them. But, you know, other animals will lick and scrape and roll in the grass to cleanse themselves, but not sheep. You know, they will remain filthy indefinitely unless the shepherd cleanses them. And, and what I want to say is we too, by nature, are unclean and filthy. Apart from the, the tender shepherd's cleansing, which if we look over here in 1st John, I think he talks a little bit about that. 1st John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, we are going to remain perpetually dirty. But here's what he says in 1st John 1, 7 through 9. He says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the fifth thing is that, and I didn't know this, but sheep cannot find food or water on their own. I did not know that. While most animals have a keen sense of smell, sheep depend upon the shepherd completely. Wow. You know, if left, and we're going to talk about that when we talk about beside the still waters, the quiet waters. We're going to talk about that, that concept there in a little bit. If left to themselves, sheep will eat poisonous weeds and die. You know, when one does it, they follow the leader and they'll all do it. That's just the way that's the way sheep are. And so, you know, again, as, as children of God, we are to be equally dependent upon him. The last thing that I'm going to point out here is this, is that the sheep's wool does not belong to the sheep. It does not belong to him. While sheep may produce wool, it's the shepherd who owns the wool. He's the one that owns it. In all bona fide spiritual production in a Christian life it, it, of, a, of a Christian, it, it belongs to the Lord. Anything that you're doing, it should belong to the Lord. We should be giving our service to the Lord. It belongs to Him. The Lord, by means of the Holy Spirit, provides us with all such production. In every way, you see, we indeed are the people and the sheep of his pasture, as, as Psalm 100, verse 3 says. We are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. And so like like many of the Psalms, Psalm 23 states its case in the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. And I like that. And so this the, the psalmist, David, states his case here in the first verse and simply verifies it in the remainder of the psalm. And so the key thought of this is because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for anything. That's, that's his basis he's saying there. I shall lack nothing. I'll have it all as far as what he wants to give me. No uncertainty should frighten me. I should not be afraid. And and here's the way this, I think the theme of Psalm 23 is played out in the balance of David's song. I just want to, I want to read you this. I, I found this, I thought this was really cool. And I want you to hear this. He begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. I shall not lack rest or provision. Why? Because he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not lack peace. Why? Because he leads me beside quiet waters. I shall not lack restoration or encouragement when I faint, fail, or fall. Why? Because He restores my soul. I shall not lack guidance or fellowship. Why? Because He guides me in the paths of righteousness. I shall not lack courage when my way is dark. Why? Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I shall not lack companionship. Why? for thou art with me. He goes on to say I shall I shall not lack constant comfort why because thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. I shall not lack protection or honor why because thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not lack power why because thou hast anointed my head with oil and I shall not lack abundance why because my cup overflows. And I shall not lack God's perpetual presence. Why? For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will not lack security. Why? Because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Whew. And although Psalm 23 is probably the most familiar psalm to us, it, it develops an unfamiliar metaphor throughout. You know, and, and I'm referring to this, this concept of the, of the shepherd sheep experience. And see, what's so complicated about that is because few people in America have ever seen a flock of sheep under the control of a shepherd. You know, we we see a lot of the cows in the fields and stuff like that, but very few people have ever seen a shepherd controlling his flock, much less experiencing the everyday occurrences common to that mode of life. Because the scene is unfamiliar Many are at a loss to explain this song in its basic sense. And David writes this song because he had that experience. You know, as a young guy, that's what he did. He watched over his father's flocks. And so if you ever get the opportunity to, what I would recommend you to do is to find a book that describes the life of a shepherd or Better than that, if you have the opportunity to be able to talk to someone who's ever done that, talk to them about that. See what see what they come up with. You know, because I, I believe if you if you do that, this psalm will take on a new meaning for you, um, and it will help you to understand how a shepherd relates to his sheep. But of course, because of the day and age that we live in, you can Google it and you can YouTube it. That's what you can do. You know, but I am sure that there are, there are things out there that will help you to understand that. So, what I want to do is I want to look at Psalm twenty-three, verse by verse, over the next two Sundays, and I want to get a better understanding of the relationship that that I have laid out before you. Verse one, verse one. He says, "You know, as we as we look at this, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall lack nothing." And and, that, and that's what he starts out with. And I've already stated this this verse here. That is, it's the theme of the song. But for now, what I want to do is I want to draw your attention to two things in this verse. First of all, David refers to God as the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. This translation of Jehovah, the, the most respected, loftiest title that a Jew would use, could say, the Hebrew stood in awe before it. The, every, every Jew stood in awe before, the, before Jehovah. It was so. It was so um, bold. He, he, you know, it was not anything that they would substitute. Jehovah, God, you know, for God. Whenever it occurred in a public um, reading or, or a sacred scripture, Jehovah meant the I am, the Great I am, the self-existent being. That's who He is, who He was, and is, and is to come. Who inhabits eternity who has life in himself. You know, F.B. Myers writes this, he says, all other life from the the aphid to the, the the, the, the rose leaf of the archangel before the throne is dependent and derived from the life that they find in Jehovah God. All others waste, it says, all other waste and change and grow old. But He is the only one. God is the only one who is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All other fires, which He supplies and He fuels, He alone is is self-sustaining, He says. Ephraim says this. This is the mighty being. And this mighty being, He is your shepherd. That's who He is. So from our perspective today, the Lord Jesus Christ would be that shepherd of this psalm. For he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He is our shepherd. That's pretty awesome. And then David calls Jehovah the Lord, my shepherd. To David, the sheep, you know, God was his own personal shepherd. Millions of people know that the Lord is my shepherd, but they really don't know that he is their shepherd. He might be your shepherd, but I don't really know if he's my shepherd. Who, by the way, is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? In whom do you trust when you are feeling caught up in the daily toil and frustration of life, of uncertainty? Who do you call upon? To whom do you turn to for direction every day? Because we all have choices to make, many choices to make. Do you go first to the, the the pastor at your church, or or to a counselor, or to a psychologist, or to a or a close friend, or or a coach, or a teacher? Before you go to the Lord, before you go to the Shepherd, you know how easy it is for us to forget that we are sheep too. We're not the shepherd. We are are sheep too. As important and necessary as each of these people may be, they can never ever take the place of the good shepherd in your life. There's nothing wrong going to your pastor or a friend or a counselor or a coach or a teacher. But don't, replace the good shepherd with them don't replace the good shepherd with them the lord is my shepherd i shall not want in verse 2 as david moves from verse 1 to verse 2 he begins to develop this theme that he started in verse 1 you know he starts with this this pastoral picture of a sheep under a shepherd's care and from all my studies and, and knowledge of sheep, I don't think that, that they're very smart animals. Frequently they're alarmed and they can actually run over each other when they're scared to death. They'll just run right over each other. We had this dog. His name was Alex. And he was a, he was a good sized dog. And, you know, so we thought, okay, well, he'll be a good watchdog. You know, if someone comes to the door, he, he, just the bark will scare the people to death. But I can tell you one thing. Some stranger stepped foot into our house. He would run me over to get under the bed. That's what he would do. And, and so, you know, sheep are startled. They, they, they're scared. You know, they, they run, they, they can run over each other, racing away from something that startles them. And, and the shepherd corrects the problem by catching a sheep and gently, yet firmly, forcing them down onto the ground so that they will start feeding on the grass that's underneath of their feet. And David, probably recalling a time when he had to do this, says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He catches that sheep and he forces them down to the ground. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. In our hectic, hurried, harassed age, you know, in which headache medications have become the best-selling product that we can find, we must occasionally be made to lie down by our shepherd, Savior. When he steps into our crazy world, he often forces us to rest. If that has occurred, give thanks for the green pastures. Give thanks for them. You know, th- this verse concludes with another picture And I think it's a great picture here. It says, not only does he make me lie down in green pastures, but he leads me beside quiet waters. Just look at that phrase, quiet waters. I I like that phrase, period. You know, literally, it it refers to waters that have been stilled. You know, if if you mentally capture this idea, this is a peaceful scene here, beside the still waters. Because, see, sheep are are very weary and worn you know they they need a long refreshing drink and they're afraid to do that when the water is running rapid did you know that they will not step into water that's rapid that's running rapid you know sheep are instinctively afraid of that they're, they're afraid of running water and and perhaps they think that maybe they're the if they get out of the water with their their heavy wool coats that that they're going to sink or they're going to drown You know, of course, sheep don't think that way because they don't have brains like we do. But anyway, (laughs) but but, you know, that's that instinct that they have in them to not go there because that looks that looks frightening. And so as a result, even though tired and hot from a blistering day, thirsty sheep will only stand and stare at a fast flowing stream and they won't drink. Unfortunately, or I think uncertainty keeps them from a needed refreshment. And so what happens is, is that the shepherd has to step in with his rod and his staff. What he'll do is he'll loosen large stones and he'll end up damming up a place for the water to come in. But it causes the rushing water to slow and become like a still stream there or a still water pool of water and now the quiet waters immediately will attract the sheep and in the midst of the rushing stream the shepherd has provided refreshment for his flock with water he has stilled water he has stilled has your shepherd done this for you has he done this has he recently stepped in and made those busy currents of your life a source of refreshment by stilling them? By by bringing order out of chaos? You know, isn't it true that we frequently receive spiritual refreshment from uncertain circumstances that we might be dreading the most? Think about that. This part of Psalm 23 makes me think about Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. Remember that encounter he had with her? After Jesus asked her, and this is in John chapter 4, after Jesus asked her for a drink, she's surprised since Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, and especially since men didn't talk to strange women. They they wouldn't talk to them. He tells her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water, he says. He says, He would have given you living water. Our Jesus, our shepherd, is living water. He doesn't just lead us to still waters. He is the still water. He is life-giving and thus soul-restoring. When He leads us to still waters, he, He is leading us to Himself, to the only thing that can fully restore us in this crazy, I mean absolute crazy, busy, draining world. It's all about him. In verse 3, this is as far as we're going to go, verse 3 here. It says, he restores my soul. Restoration. We all like restoration. What a full, meaningful term. How many of you like to watch those restoration shows on TV? Yeah, one of my favorites is the Barn Builders. I love that show. But, but you know, the Fixer Upper, you know, what you know. There's 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 so many of them, but it's all about restoration. And again, that is it should be a familiar scene along the hillside. You know, sheep have had they have a bad habit of wandering. When one is attracted to a clump of grass, as we talked about earlier, from the flock, he'll go after it, and and sometimes you know he he's followed by several other woolly wanderers, and soon night falls. And lurking in that darkness are hungry wolves. You know, four-legged savages that, that, that are looking for a, a supper of mutton. <laughs> the shepherd counts his sheep, calling them by name. He knows them by name and they know his voice and they respond to that. Realizing he has a wanderer. Now listen to this. This is interesting. Realizing that he has a, a wanderer missing. What he does is he strikes out to restore that wanderer member of his flock, calling its name and waiting for an answer, a bleat in the wilderness. And so he goes and he finds that. And when he hears that, he goes to the sheep. Occasionally, one particular young sheep will get into the habit of wandering. Do you know what they do to sheep that wander like that? If they wander often, that's right, they do. I didn't know that. Again and again, the shepherd will, will have to go and find that wandering sheep. And when, when this becomes a continuing habit, the shepherd will lift the lamb from the thicket. He will hold it and he will abruptly break its leg. That's what he does. The shepherd will then make a splint for the shattered leg and then carry that once wayward lamb near to his heart back to the flock. Then that sheep learns a bitter lesson. And the whole while, he now has to depend upon the shepherd during the the restoration period. That was interesting. I didn't know that. I'm I'm glad that someone else knew that. But that's what they do. I'm thinking, wow, that's cruel. But that's the way, you know, I guess that's better than getting eaten by a wolf. (laughs) And there's plenty of wolves out there. Are these words being shared this morning falling on wandering sheep? See, only you can answer that. Is one of God's children maybe in this room gotten in the habit of drifting from the flock? Let me remind you of one important word, and that word is he. It's a two letter word, he. It is He, the shepherd, Savior, who restores you. Amen. He is looking for you if you strayed away. He is jealous for your love. He deeply loves you. He wants you back. And I must warn you of this. He will stop at nothing in order to restore you. That should be good news for us. God doesn't play games, especially with his wayward woolies. <laughs> and finally, verse 3 pronounces guidance. It promises us this guidance. Look at the last part of verse 3. It literally means, he guides me in the right tracks for his name's sake. He guides me in the right tracks for his namesake. You know, the Palestinian shepherd was a master at reading tracks, um, Many marks and paths sprawled across the the, the rugged terrain in, in their in their wilderness. Some of those tracks were made by wild beasts, maybe maybe wolves or or you know whatever whatever creatures are out there. Others might be robbers lying in wait. You know the wind can also etch as it blows across the sand you know to the untrained, dull eye of a sheep. All those tracks just look alike; they don't care. You know, all they all they want is to go eat. You know, and that kind of reminds you of us after church on Sundays. You know, well, I don't care what track, I just want to go eat. You know, that that's that's what that's what the sheep that's what the sheep are like. They they don't care about the tracks. They they just want to go eat because all paths they look like real paths, but some of those paths lead to nowhere. Uh, the sheep were wise to follow only the shepherd who always led them down the right path. After all, it was the shepherd's reputation that was at stake for his name's sake. So his his reputation's at stake here. And it it reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your might. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Wow. So what can we learn from this verse? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn, but many voices shout for our attention, and that's going to be the way it is all the time. Many religions plead their case, and many are those contending for your support, especially financially. Many new doctrines try to seduce us into listening, and alas, many people are led away by false doctrine. When we follow our shepherd, however, we follow along the right path. Tracks. We follow along the right path. You know, his, his written word gives us the guidance that we need so desperately. So, my question to you is how much are you in the word? That's so important in this whole thing here. His written word is the guidance for us that we so desperately need. Just understand that we as leaders are not the good shepherd. Chet is not the good shepherd. Jerry is not the good shepherd. Bob Hart. He is not the good shepherd. He is God, and I am not. That's for sure. We are not the good shepherd. That's Jesus' place. We too need his guidance. And in any church, if the leaders aren't in the word, then they are not going to be able to lead very well, are they? And so that's what you need to be praying for your leaders, that we are in the word, that we are studying his word, that we are trying to be the men that God wants us to be. And we covet that prayer. So in conclusion for this part one of this two-part series here, this two-part Psalm 23 here, the tone we're going to see next week of the latter half of Psalm 23 kind of changes a little bit. But the shepherd doesn't. From the the fertile slopes and the and the babbling bubbling brooks, or whatever you want to call them, of verses two and three, we are plunged immediately down into the valley of the shadow of death. Dun dun dun. That's where we are. Literally translated, the valley of deep darkness. So how does this? tie in with verse 3, you'll observe that that verse 3 promises that our shepherd Savior guides us along the right paths. Verse 4 is simply saying that one of these paths winds along the steep path to the valley below. There is a reason for this, and we will talk about that reason next week. I just wanted to close by sharing this story with you here. It was kind of a touching story here. It says, the story's called, Even If It's Dark. And this young man, his wife became very ill, and she died, leaving him with his four-year-old daughter. The funeral service was simple, and it was heavy with grief. And after the burial, his neighbors gathered around them and invited them to come. And to bring the little girl and to stay at their home so that they would not have to stay in the house, their house, for the first night because they thought it would be hard. They wanted to spare them the pain from going into an empty house. He thanked them, but said that he and his baby girl needed to face it right now. So when they got home, the father brought his daughter, little bed, into his room so that they could face the darkness of the night together which I thought was pretty neat. And as the minutes slipped by the the night, the little girl was having a really hard time sleeping, and so so was the dad. Nothing could pierce his heart more than hearing his little girl sobbing for for her mom, um, who was was never going to come back. Long into the night, the, the little girl couldn't stop crying. And so the father comforted her the best that he knew how to, and finally the little girl managed to stop crying and the father thought that she had fallen asleep, and so the father looked up towards heaven and he prayed. He said, Father, I trust you, but it's as dark as midnight. Hearing her dad's prayer, the little girl began to cry again. I thought you were asleep, she sa- he said. Um, um, but the little girl, and he, the reason why this story caught my eye so much was because the little girl called her dad, Papa. And that's what our granddaughter calls our son, Papa. And she says, I, I can't even see you in the dark, Papa. She, she, so she, she drew close and she whispered, but you love me even if it's dark, don't you, Papa? You love me even if I don't see you, don't you, Papa? As an answer, The father lifted the little girl out of his bed, brought her up to his chest, and held her until she went to sleep. That's when he took his daughter's words and offered them up to God in a prayer. Father, it's dark as midnight. I can't see you at all, but you love me even when it's dark, and I can't see you, don't you? Absolutely. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He he, he leaves me beside the quiet waters and he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Folks, even when life seems uncertain, we can always trust and lean upon our shepherd savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's right.